Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. So, let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like there was a dry season in your life where you just didn't see God? Something in life, circumstances happen like the one we're in right now. And you're just like, I don't even see you. I don't even know where you are. Like, I can't hear your voice. I can't sense your presence. I just don't know where you are. And and you're crying out to the Lord, where are you? Uh, In the season of my life, that's where I was. I I didn't even feel like I could recognize who God was. I I knew all of these things about who God was, but I I, I didn't know who God was in that season. It it was a dark time, and it's a time of searching. It was a time of doubt and a time of, of seeking. And let me just tell you something. If you're doubting even in this room today, it's okay. It's a good place to be because I believe when we really doubt, we will seek. And Jesus tells us if we seek, we will find. And he is the truth. And so if we seek the truth, we will find him and we will find Christ and he will meet us right where we are. But how many of us know that there's sometimes that's that's the teaching ground for so many of us is that dark moment, that place where we don't know what's going on. We don't feel presence and we just got to kind of kind of get there any way that we can. God has a, a way of teaching us in the desert and I was in a spiritual desert. And so what, what I want us to see today is that I want us to see that God is always there, even in our darkest moments, even in the biggest storms, even in the parts of life that are always the hardest. The problem is, is we just don't always recognize the Lord while he's there. We don't always see what he's doing. We don't always understand what is happening in this story that we're going to read today. Um, I think we'll see that God's always there. I know we'll see that. So a couple years ago, um, I was probably 15, 16. A buddy of mine, um, his name's Gunner, he had a boat. I don't know why his dad let us use a boat, but he had a boat. And so we as 14, 15, whatever age we were, were going out in a boat, and the dad had one rule. You can be in the bay, you can't go to the Gulf. We were like, okay. But we're smart, right, because we know everything. Uh, and so I looked at Gunner, and, and he looked at me, and I was like, we going to the Gulf today? He was like, you know it. Well, how many of us know those summer storms roll up pretty quick? We were in like a 12-foot boat with like a 25-horsepower engine. It was me, Gunner, his brother, and then a little brother. He was like six. Yeah, guys, this is your pastor. That's how smart I am. And so, um, so we got out, and we look, and there's a storm on the horizon. And we're going down near Siesta Key. And... The storm got on us quicker than our little motor could go. And that 12-foot boat started rocking. I mean, there was times that we were out of the water. I had, what we did is we tied one of the people down, the little boy, we tied him to the boat. I said, here's a life vest. Let's put that on. Let's get a rope. We're going to tie you to this sucker because you're out of here first. If anybody goes, it's you. And he was like, what? And I was like, yep, okay. And so super comforting in that moment. Um, and I remember being terrified. I mean, terrified. I'm a good swimmer, not that good. And I remember thinking, are we going to get out of this? Are we going to make it out of this? And, and we did. We made it to um, Big Pass, and we made it in, and we were safe. 
We never told his dad what happened. We were like, you all be quiet. We're not talking about what just happened. Here I am. I'm letting it all out. But I could relate a little bit to the story we're going to be in because I think I could feel what the disciples were feeling in this moment of their life. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, and one of the most famous stories in the Bible is in this chapter. In fact, this story shows up in all four of the Gospels. It's the feeding of the 5,000. It's a miraculous story where there were 5,000 men there is how the Bible counted it at that time. But that means there's probably fifteen to 20,000 people there. And these people have been following Jesus and they have been going through uh, and listening to his teachings and all that he is doing. And they get hungry. And and the disciples say, look, everybody's getting hangry. There's like 15,000 people here. We got to send them into town. They got to get some food, right? There wasn't a Chick-fil-A then, right? They didn't have a speed drive-through. And so they're like, hey, we got to get people out of here. And Jesus says, no, let's not do that. Just collect what you can and we're going to feed some people. They're like, okay. So they come back find this little kid, and he's got five loaves and two fish. And they're like, there's five, you know, 5,000 men here. There's 15,000 people here. What are we going to do? Jesus said, give it to me. And he blesses the bread, and he blesses the fish, and they begin to distribute the food to the people. And you may be familiar with the story. The disciples, they were hungry on their way into this too. And they fill 12 baskets full of leftovers. And it's this famous story of God's provision. And I don't know about you, but like, I would feel like I really knew who God was in that moment. Like, I feel like if I saw God feed 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish, I'd be like, I can see you in HD. I see you. I mean, that's a mountaintop experience, isn't it? That's like you're seeing the Lord. You're hearing his voice. You're seeing him do the miraculous. You're seeing full bellies and you got leftovers. This moment happens in in their life, and they see Jesus so clearly when things are going well. But there's these two stories that are back-to-back in the Bible that I, I believe God put these stories together for us to know something. Because so many of us may not know or see where God is in this moment. And so right after Jesus feeds all of these people, immediately, the Bible says, Jesus sends them to the other coast of the Sea of Galilee. And while they're there, Jesus, his cousin, has just been killed. And so Jesus is feeling it, right? Because Jesus also knows what's coming for him. Jesus knows that the cross and and the suffering of that is on its way. And so Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, he is killed for a petty reason. It's actually pretty ridiculous. And so Jesus sends the disciples away, and he goes off to a solitary place, and he begins to pray. See, Jesus was going through a storm in his own life, and so Jesus models for you and I when we go through a storm what we need to be doing. So Jesus goes off to a solitary place and begins to pray. So let's pick up the story here in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. I'm going to read the whole passage. We don't normally do that. You know, could we do something actually even different today? Could we all stand in honor of the word of God, which will be read this morning? Because it is, it is powerful and able, and, and God can use it in incredible ways. And so let's just honor God by standing this morning. 
Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, it's probably between 3 in the morning and 6 in the morning, okay? Later that night, Jesus, he's up there, and he was alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. So Jesus can see the boat from this mountainside that he is in, and he sees what's going on with the disciples. And the boat was already a considerable distance away from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. There's a storm. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, While the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he had saw the wind and he, and he was afraid, being, beginning to, be, to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith. I don't think that this is like a rebuke of Peter, by the way. I don't think it, it, Jesus is getting on Peter in this moment. At least Peter got out of the boat. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Well, we all know why he doubted. He took his eyes off Christ and he put it onto the circumstance. And the circumstance became overwhelming. And so Jesus takes him back to the boat, verse 32. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. So we're going to end our, our time together this morning. Let me pray and then we'll be seated. Lord, we ask for your anointing and your presence in this place today. God, speak to each one of us as only your word can, through your Holy Spirit and the work of the Spirit, God, would you give us insight and understanding in this moment, God. May we trust in you and believe in you today. May these words spoken here today honor and glorify you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the peace which surpasses understanding. May it enter our hearts and our minds now as we hear from your word and your truth. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Well, I don't know about you, but you and I got to get to know God in the good times. That's exactly what happens to the disciples and the people who are there. Then in the feeding of the 5,000, they were seeing Jesus in HD, right? It's 4K, right? Like they see what God is able to do in the darkest of moments. They, They see what God is able to do in the hardest of times. And how many of us have those kinds of moments? We call these anchor points. We call these moments that there's moments in our lives where we need to see God so clearly that we drop anchor on that moment in our soul and we begin to go back to that moment when we need it. And for so many of us, some of us in here right now, you're like, I don't have any anchor moments. Well, you do have anchor moments. We have the Bible and the word of God to see how God moved in the past and we need to look at the past to believe God for the future. Because the God who's able to do these things, to feed 5,000 people and to walk on water, is able to still do those things today. 
And so when our faith is weak and when our circumstances around us are so bad, we got to remember and get to know God in the good times. But how many of us, it's so true of us that we don't really see God so clearly in the good times because our eyes are on our circumstances and they're good and they're alluring. And so we look towards, or towards ourselves or the things that we have in the good times and we, we forget to get to know God in those moments. And, and, you know, you can look at the disciples in this moment and go, man, you guys are like, what's up? You guys just saw Jesus. I would never doubt if I saw Jesus feed 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Wrong. Adam and Eve doubted God and they walked in the presence of the Lord in the garden. The disciples saw Jesus feed 15,000 people and they doubted. And so here's what I want to tell you in this moment. Doubt is part of our experience and the temptation and the lies of the enemy are much more clever and much more persuasive than you and I would believe. And so even in this moment, you may know that God is good. You may know that God is great. You may know that he is able. You may know that he is there, but somewhere in your heart, you're doubting it. Because we go down, you know, we were down in Fort Myers just two days ago delivering supplies. Another group went yesterday and delivered supplies. And I've been in refugee crises around the world. And I got to chill up my spine because I was reminded of it. We saw caravans of ambulances, police cars, military airboats going into canals rescuing people. We saw uh, Black Hawk helicopters and the Coast Guard flying around. It was like we were in a war zone. And every person that I met just walked around with a daze. Met this pastor down there, Next Level Church. <clears throat> we pulled up and he said, Are you Pastor Blake? I said, I am. How are you? And he's, he was like, I'm okay. But his eyes were just looking past me. He, he wasn't able to be there. He had been in this moment of shock. And let me just tell you what comes after shock, mourning. And there's a lot of people, maybe you're in this room right now and you're mourning. There's loss, loss of life, loss of things, loss of security, loss of electricity, loss of all of these things like water. And what begins to happen in those moments of great loss and trial is we begin to doubt and see that God is there. And so the disciples see God in HD. They see Jesus and what he's capable of in 4K in the moment. But man, there is this moment where the peace which surpasses understanding, there's a moment where they get into a circumstance in their life and they begin to fear and they begin to doubt. And let me just tell you something, fear and doubt are natural things. It's what you do with fear and doubt that really determines the path that you're going to walk down. So if you are fearful and if you are doubting, it is not like you are a weak Christian. You're just like every other person in the Bible. So the question is, what are we going to do with it? How are we going to get through this? How are we going to step forward into this moment? Because here's what all of us need to understand. Storms will come. Physical, metaphorical, they're coming. I mean, I know even families in our church right now that this storm has erupted a storm in their families. 
Husbands and wives are splitting up, taking time apart. They can't cope with all of that's going on. They, They can't see what's going on, and there is no judgment here about that. It's just that these storms will come, and they are piled on so many times in your life. Notice what happens. Jesus is going through a storm, and Jesus sends them on the other side of the lake into a storm. Like, he knows that there's going to be a storm. He knows what's going. He's God. He controls the entire universe in his hand. But Jesus needed to teach the disciples something for when he was leaving. Right? Because there was going to be a time in their life when Jesus wasn't right there. When all they had were memories, when all they had were these sayings in the word, and Jesus knew that there was going to be this moment coming for all of them, and Jesus knew what was going to happen and the doubt that was going to enter, especially for Peter. And so Jesus sends them off into the distance, and I'm not saying that God made the storm come, but what I'm saying is, is that he knew the storm was coming. He sends them into this moment because he has something for them that will help them later in this life. Because let me tell you, there is nothing like the desert place to teach you something. And so what begins to happen is they they had been battling this storm for hours. We're talking probably across this part of the Sea of Galilee is three miles. So they left at dinner time, just after dinner time. And now it's 3 to 6 in the morning. We don't know exactly what time. But Jesus sees them, and these guys were fishermen. These guys were the fishermen that fished that very lake, that very sea. So they knew these storms, and all of these tough guys who had all of this experience being in storms, the Bible says that they're terrified. They're scared. This isn't an unusual situation for them. And yet it was so big, and it was so bad that they become terrified the the boat that and how many of us know that the enemy will use exhaustion to exacerbate the storm look i don't want to give too much credit to the enemy he's a punk and he's not really that capable but he's an opportunist and he will use the things that happen in our life to grow them, to exacerbate them. And let me just tell you something. God whispers, but he screams. And what happens to these disciples is they're on this boat. They're out in the middle of this lake. And this storm arises. And they are terrified. They're already scared. Just like I was on that boat when I thought, man, I don't know if we're going to make it through this. I don't know if this is going to happen. And here's what I want you to understand. The storms of life will come, especially when you're tired. And many times we are tricked into believing that God isn't there at these most crucial times in our life because we are exhausted. We're exhausted. Notice that the disciples don't call out to God in the story, but God comes to them. You notice that? I want you to also notice notice something. Jesus was going through a personal storm too. But Jesus began to be able to deal with that and began to show us how he could deal with that in the way that he walked. And we're going to see how you and I can walk through the greatest storms in our life. But I want you to notice something. 
The disciples didn't jump out of the boat and swim to him. The disciples didn't get a power boat and go. Their boat wasn't picked up out of the storm either. Jesus didn't meet them in Tahiti. Jesus met them right where they were. In the middle of the storm, God walked out to the people in the middle of their storm. He met them right where they were. There was no judgment. There wasn't like this word of like, guys, you guys have done this before. Come on. This isn't a big deal. He just met them right where they were. Because here's what I believe and I think God understands so well for us. The storms of life can become our perspective. There's nothing like chaos to cause you to shift your perspective. There's nothing like panic, anger, fear, depression, anxiety, worry that can cause us to shift our perspective. And for many of us, when those things first enter our life, we will run to God. But as they continue, we begin to pull away. And I'm not here to blame you for that because I think you just become a survivalist. Some of us in here are surviving right now. And so what begins to happen is Jesus knows what their perspective is going to be. Verse 25 and 26, it says, shortly before dawn, shortly before the light enters into the moment, maybe the darkest part of the night, the, the moon is setting and the sun is getting ready to come up. Jesus enters the situation. He went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. I don't know if there's a stronger word for fear here. This isn't like, oh man, we're worried and my tummy hurts. This is like, we're gonna die. We are going to die. We, in all of our expertise, we don't know how to get through this. And because in that moment, their perspective began to shift from the feeding of the 5,000 to the storm that they were in, something incredible happens. Jesus shows up walking on the water, and they think the situation's getting worse. It's a ghost, they cried, and they cried out in fear. They screamed. You ever been so scared you screamed? I did that to my brother yesterday, right? Like he was opening our door and I hid in our laundry room. And as he opened the door, I went, ah, and he went, ah, and I said, that scared me too, right? I just, I wanted to scare him. I have a sickness. I like to scare people. Um, I'll scare you. Anyway, you better be careful walking around this church. You've got to look around every corner because I might be there. Now you all are scared and terrified. <laughs> oh, well. Um, <clears throat> Do you notice how the storm became their perspective? They just saw God in 4K up on the mountain. And all of a sudden, Jesus, who never changes, shows up on a lake, and they don't recognize him. How many of us in the midst of our storm, our storm becomes our perspective, and the God who was there at the mountaintop is blurred because we are looking at him through the storm. Jesus didn't change. The only thing that changed was their circumstance. Guys, God hasn't changed in the middle of this. Our circumstances have. Our circumstances have changed, but he has not changed. 
And he's walking out to you on the water. And some of us in this room are terrified for our lives. And we are screaming, not to God. We are just screaming in fear because, man, God is showing up. But, man, I don't recognize that. And this isn't the circumstance that I thought I'd be in. And, man, I never thought these storms would happen. And why? I'm not here to blame you. Neither does Jesus. He doesn't say, hey, boys, come on. I just fed so many people. Wake up. Wake up. I think that's the way that so many of us feel that God will respond in our fear and in our doubt and in our storm. And so we conceal it. And we suffer in silence. And we begin to allow the only voice to come into our life because we're in a storm and we're embarrassed that we may be doubting God or we're worried about all of these things. And the only voice that is the voice in our head in the lies of the enemy. That's an impossible battle, guys. You gotta let people in. That's why we do community groups here. That's why we have life groups. That's why we meet in our community. Because how many of us need to know you aren't meant to suffer alone? Not right now, not ever. There is no merit badge in heaven for the best sufferers. There is not. There is not. And so let us not suffer let us not be literally wilting away in our souls alone. Maybe someone's been through a storm similar to yours and they know the path back to life. They know the path back to hope. You've got to share what you're going through. See, storms can become our perspective and the only thing that changed Jesus' perspective in that, or the disciples' perspective in that moment was the storm. We're talking hours, hours. And maybe that happened for some of us. Like before the storm, we were good. We were praying, we were in faith, we were doing all of these things. And then the storm came and it was way worse than we thought it was gonna be. I think I saw that Charlie almost fit inside. Like the eye of this storm, it's crazy. You guys know this was the top five worst storms to hit the United States. I didn't feel prepared, did you? I mean, it just kind of snuck up on us. I mean, everyone's like, no, no, it didn't. No, like three days earlier, it was heading to like Louisiana in the panhandle of Florida. I don't know. Maybe you're more prepared than me. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And so what began to happen in this moment is everyone's perspective shift from life to death. From hope to despair. And they cried out in fear. But I want you to notice what Jesus does. Continuing on in the story, it says this. But Jesus immediately said to them as they were screaming and they were terrified. Take courage. It is I. That word I would be familiar to so many of us. It's a word that's derived from the name of God, Yahweh. It is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's not an exclamation point in the text. Did you notice that? Because this is a word of comfort, not condemnation. Don't be afraid. It's I. It's me. I'm here. I'm right here in the middle of your storm. And so what happens in this moment is Peter is an example for what so many of us need to be. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, let me come out to you on the water. 
Call me out, okay? I think it's you. I believe it's you. I, I have this perspective that it's you, but could you call me to you, please? Then Peter got down out of the boat. How many of us know how impossible that was? See, everyone knocks Peter for having faith because he sinks. I think I give credit to Peter because he got out of the boat. How many of us would get out of the boat? Are you in the boat right now in the middle of all this? Are you sitting in the boat and Jesus is calling you? The only thing that we can do is listen and walk out onto the water. And then we all get on Peter because he gets there and then he begins to see the circumstance. But he saw God enough in the moment. He believed enough in the moment. There were enough good memories in the moment that he stepped out in faith. I don't know what the end of the story is with all of this. I don't, I don't know when it's going to go back to normal. I believe it's going to be a while. Are you stepping out of the boat? Maybe your, your act of stepping out of the boat was coming here this morning. Thank you. I'm proud of you. You stepped out of the boat. You started like when you didn't know the way, when you didn't know the path, when the waters were turning and all of these things were happening. Good job. You stepped out of the boat. But even now in this moment, you'd be like, I don't know what I need to do. Just keep listening. Just keep taking that next step. Keep walking forward. And we may not know the way. We may not see what is happening clearly right now, but you've got to take those steps of faith. That's what faith is. So keep walking. And so Peter, then he got out of the boat and he walks. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. I want you to notice how close he was to God. Because in that moment, all Jesus has to do is reach out. Jesus doesn't have to sprint on the water. Jesus doesn't have to like fly in the air and show up. He doesn't have to transport. He's there. And so let me just tell you something. This is what that tells me. You can be as close as you want, be to, want to be to God right now, and storms will still get you. He was so close. He had walked out to the presence of Jesus, and then he sees the storm, and Jesus is right there, and he began to look out into that moment, and he begins to doubt, and he sinks. But he was so close, he could touch him. So here's what I, that tells me. These storms, these moments in our life are so big, they will get us so distracted so quickly that God can be right next to you and you won't even recognize it. And that's not condemnation. That should be encouragement to us. Like if you're doubting, if you're fearful, if you're angry, I get it. Peter stood next to Jesus, and he still sank. And I want you to notice what Jesus did. Jesus didn't say, swim to me. Jesus didn't say, hold your breath. That's what some of us think was going on. God's telling you to just hold your breath while you go under the water. Peter does what we all need to do. He cries out to the Lord. He doesn't tell God how to save him. He doesn't give him his preferred delivery method, right? Like, hey, Lord, it'd be nice if I had an inner tube right now. Hey, God, it'd be nice if we were on dry ground right now. Hey, God, I'd love a floaty that's shaped like a flamingo, and it just would make this moment a little easier for me. Hey, Lord, could you just make sure that when I get up here, my bank account's full? 
my cell phone got wet. Um, could you get me a new one? It's not that kind of moment. Peter was so desperate for God in the midst of his sinking that all he did was cry out. And he let God rescue him the way that God was going to rescue him. He was so well pleased that the Lord was just there. And so I know some of us right now in this moment probably feel like, why aren't you rescuing me this way? Why isn't the power back on yet? I stink. I need a hot shower. I'm hungry. In fact, I'm hangry. This is hurting. God meets Peter right where he is. And he reaches down and he saves him. He saves him. He rescues him. He, he meets him right where he is. Verse 31, let's continue on in the story. Immediately, Jesus reached out to him. Jesus didn't go, well, you haven't sunk enough yet. I, I really want this lesson to set in, so let's get to the point where you're at your nose. Immediately, as Peter cried out to the Lord, the Lord grabbed Peter, begins to pull him up. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, caught him. What does that mean? Peter's in free fall. He's sinking like a rock. His name actually means rock. Did you know that? Petros means rock. I don't even know why I just said that, but it's there, okay? <laughs> Thanks, Lord. Um, someone needed to hear that. They're like, the only thing I got is Petros means rock. I got it, okay? Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. The man named after a rock was sinking like a stone. You have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? Here's the deal. I don't think this is a condemnation to Jesus or, or to Peter. I think what Jesus is doing is wakening Peter's mind to the reality of the circumstance. It's not condemnation. It is, why'd you doubt? You know I'm right here. Have you ever been in a moment where, like, you were so freaked out and so afraid? We've seen it in the movie. Someone's, like, kind of panicking and going crazy, and the person, like, slaps them. And he's like, hey, right here. I don't think God slaps you in the face, okay? Like, Psh, right, but here's what I do believe happened. I think it is that kind of moment. Like, hey, open your eyes. Stop holding your breath. You're not sinking. I've got you. God's got you. He's got everybody down in Fort Myers. God did not wake up and go, that storm took a turn. Where? What happened? Oh, no. God knows because of the sin of this world and the fall of this world, this earth is groaning. But man, he built the church for a time such as this, didn't he? No matter how jacked up the church is, no matter how messed up the church is, no matter how much you've been hurt by the church in your life, there are moments when it is the most beautiful thing in the world. And I'm praying that the church of Christ is beautiful. We are trying to be beautiful, not to show the world how beautiful we are, but to show the one who created us, to show the one who rescued us, to show the one who saved us so that they may know him too. There's nothing like the desert place in our life. And I want you to notice what happened. Peter's storm led others to believe. 
Peter's suffering, Peter's sinking, Peter's life, when people saw the way that he responded and what God did in his life, they confessed that he was Lord. Guys, how we suffer matters. How we sink matters. Because the people are watching and they're drowning next to you. And are we the ones in the wilderness crying out to the Lord for rescue? And all that can do is when God, when they see how God works in our lives, they may be rescued too. Have you ever been like in a moment where someone was scared and you didn't know why they were scared? And then they were so scared that you got scared? Okay, you ever been there? That's some of us. Like fear is spreading. How we respond in the doubt and the fear and the anger and the frustration and the no AC and all the things. The world's watching. He has built the church for a time such as this. And you say, Pastor, I don't got it in me. No, but the Holy Spirit who is in you has it. Just cry out to the Lord and he will lift you up. Notice Peter didn't have to do a chin up. He didn't have to do butterfly kicks. The Lord just grabbed him. And then he gets back to the boat in a daze and everyone else is like, surely you are the Lord. And Peter's like, I don't even know what happened. I just cried out. And God goes, I know. I know. I know. The Lord is ready and waiting and near right now. The circumstance of your life may be causing you not to see the Lord, but the Lord that was there on the day you got saved, the Lord that was there on your worst moments in life, he's standing right next to you. And you are sinking in this moment because let me be honest, we all have a little bit. We all have a little bit. Have you cried out to the Lord? I literally was talking to Cody about what we were going to do. And I was like, Cody, I have not prepared a single thing. I've been too busy getting phone calls. And I've been too busy going to doing these things and buying things. And my daughter's birthday was the other day. Like the day after the storm was our daughter's ninth birthday. So I'm just trying to be a dad. I'm just trying to be like, I know this is crazy, but man, you'll never forget it. Nine's a big year. Okay, can't start worse than this. So all we got to go is up from here. And I was literally praying last night. Um, and my, my best friend in the world was here from a foreign country. We actually, he was going to share with you guys. He gone. Um, he, he is a... Uh, I don't know what I can share. Are we online? Are we live? Okay, I'm just going to talk in code. You guys just got to pick it up, okay? He's in a very dangerous place in the world. He is serving that very dangerous place of the world with the hope that we're talking about. He and his family. And he was here this whole week. He went through the storm with us. He has been down there with us. He's done all of these things. Some of you got the pleasure of meeting him. Um, He's been through some things, some storms. And just watching his face during this week, I just know he was here for a reason, maybe even just for me. Because I got to watch him be like totally okay. 
because he's been through some storms. He's had to have Jesus pick him up. And I just know that the Lord used his life to encourage my life. And in some way, that, that suffering that he went through found purpose because it helped us. Because, guys, this week has been overwhelming. I've been getting so many emails and so many phone calls. And this isn't a woe is me moment. We're just beyond me in this moment. You know what I'm saying? Financially, we're beyond me. Church calls me. Hey, we're sending $4,000. Hey, another church. We're taking a love offering. This church is like 25,000 people. We're taking a love offering. We're going to be sending some stuff to you. Don't worry. By the way, they're in Houston, so they know what we're going through. God's provision, God's purpose, God's love, God's anointing has met us every step of the way. But man, when it first happened, I was doubting. And so how do you and I walk through this moment? Because we're either going to push closer to God or we're going to push away. Cody, we didn't even go over this. Do you have a song this afternoon? You'll have one. Okay, great. Um, you can guys tell our mind has really been on this moment. We're just relying on the Holy Spirit right now. How do you and I get through the storm as I get ready to end? The very first thing, and the very first way that you and I get through the storm is through his word. I want you to notice something. Peter got a glimpse of Jesus when Jesus spoke. When God speaks, things have a way of clearing. And you say, well, how do I hear God's voice? It's funny, he wrote a book. And everything he wants to say to you is right in here. Every word of encouragement, everything is in here. There's not a second edition coming out. I had a professor in college, I've told you guys this a lot. He said, um, God wrote a book, have you read it? God wrote a book, are you reading it? Just like I was in that storm and I, I, I did what I tell people not to do is to just flip your thumb and hope that it arrives somewhere that's encouraging because it could have ended on like people getting slaughtered or something. Like, what does this mean? <laughs> you know, Dangerous game. The Lord moved in that moment. <clears throat> Same word that spoke peace for this message for this time happened to me four years ago. How can we not believe our God is good? How can we not believe that he is sovereign? How can we not believe that he is able? And how can we not believe that he will do it? God was just preparing me for this moment four years ago. It was a lesser storm, but it was getting me ready for this storm. And so his word, it is a guide to our path and a lamp to our feet. But not only do we need to hear the word, we need to follow the word. And I'm just going to tell you, sometimes following the word of God does not make sense, like getting out of a boat in the middle of a storm. Get out of the boat. Come on. Come to me. Doesn't make sense, but sometimes you and I need to believe God's word more than we believe in our circumstance. And so follow him. But not only that, get around his people. I'm so proud of you for being here this morning. I mean that. I don't know what to expect. I'm so proud of you for being here this morning, for being a part of this moment, for being with God's people. 
for being in his church, for being together, for hearing each other's needs and meeting each other's needs, for doing all of this. I'm proud of you for being here. You're an encouragement to my soul, just you sitting there. So thank you. Be with God's people. Remember the small moments where you saw God's provision. Remember, we all disregard the small moments, but don't disregard the day that we went and bought supplies with the church credit card. And someone said, you guys got money for that? I said, we will. I walked into Sam's and they're like, I was like, hey, I need some water. And they're like, okay, there's some over there. I said, no, I need a pallet of water. And they're like, a pallet of water? You know that people are hurting? Yeah, I know. We're taking it to them. And this lady was like, she ran. And I was like, where's she going? And she's like, I'm getting it ready. And then she just left. And I was like, okay, great. How do we get it? I don't know. So I just walked to the front and I was like, hey, I bought a pallet of water. And they're like, what kind? I was like, I don't even know. She just ran away. They're like, who is the manager? I was like, I think your name was Ashley. And they're like, Ashley, is someone getting water? And she's like, yeah, a lot of it. Right? And they... Man, Sam's had water. That's the point. We had money. And in faith, we just, okay. And if we can't pay the rent or pay the, well, I don't care. People are thirsty. People are thirsty and hungry and hurting and mourning. And so I believe where you follow God, God's provision follows you. And we're going back to Sam's today. We're buying more water. I'll break my truck if I have to. We're going. I promise you we're going. And I'll go till I'm exhausted. I'll go till I'm bleeding. I'll go and go and go even if no one goes with me because this is the moment that the Lord has called us to. Will you join me? Let's follow the Lord together in this moment. And then finally, how do you get through the storms of life? You breathe. You simply breathe. Remember that moment where I told you that the word that Jesus used for who he was was that word that we translate Yahweh the name of the Lord who are you I am who I am Yahweh this isn't maybe biblically accurate but it's going to be good for this moment okay I'm not saying you this is what it is but this is how we're going to use it so everyone just do me a favor close your eyes Yahweh everyone just do me a big favor Everybody right now, just breathe in through your nose. Now out through your mouth. Breathe in through your nose. Out through your mouth. Do you guys notice the sounds that are being made? When you breathe in, it sounds like, yeah. When you breathe out, way. For you and I in these deep, dark moments of our life. I don't know if God designed it that way, but we're going to use it that way. And every breath you breathe in and every breath you breathe out, you can proclaim the name of the Lord. And you can find comfort and peace, for He is with you. And as you breathe in, 
word for the Holy Spirit is literally translated wind. And as that wind rushes into your lungs, may the life of God rush into your lungs. And as you exhale, all your worries, fears can just leave with it. When you're really in a storm, breathe. Breathe. Believe in the name of the Lord. Believe that he is able. Believe that he can do it. And so as we get ready to worship one more time with the breath that God has given us in our lungs, I am not remiss to the fact that there may be somebody in here right now that doesn't know the Lord, doesn't know his name, and doesn't know that Jesus didn't just enter this world to give us hope. He came to this world to be our hope. He came in to rescue us from the greatest storm that you and I would ever face in this world, sin and death. And the Bible says it's so simple that whoever confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus died for them and will turn from their sin and turn towards God will be saved, will be rescued. And you think, oh, it's too easy. No, that's just how good our God is. And so maybe right here in this moment, you need to believe for the first time. For the very first time, you need to believe right now that Jesus died for you died for your sin, and he rose again because he was victorious over it. And you and I in belief need to receive the blessing that is salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And maybe you're in this room and you're like, man, this storm has, like I am, I am struggling. Breathe. Confess. Follow the Lord. And may God not be a ghost in your life, but may you start to see him for who he really is. He is here. He is near. He is now. Thank you for jumping into today's message. And we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you. And please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.